I think a lot of us are here hoping to raise awareness about the fact that science feels under attack and yeah. people, we've entered what some people call a post-factual era where people no longer believe that you can, you can find things out, that you can actually trust empirical science where you do an experiment and the results are real. Yeah. Um, and that's really been frustrating. Welcome to Un-Uninformed. I'm Sean Seavey. Each week, Un-Uninformed helps you in being connected to the world around you so you don't feel so dumb around your smart friends. This week, we're giving you the opportunity to walk with me in the March for Science, where people concerned about science in over 500 cities in the United States marched to have their voices heard. So I attended the March for Science in Salt Lake City. Um, here's what the webpage said about the event. It said, March for Science is an effort composed of independent, nonpartisan coordinators. Recent rhetoric has inspired us to march on Washington, D.C. and in satellite marches across the country. So it said recent rhetoric has brought this about, this whole march thing. So what was that rhetoric? Well, let's talk about it. And let's let the other side of this argument weigh in before we give the floor to all the science nerds that were at the science march. Um, I think this will allow us to uh, see more than one side of the argument and truly set the stage in understanding how scientists are feeling as a result of this mostly Republican rhetoric. So, so I'm going to read some excerpts from the official Republican platform on energy and the environment. So this is what it has to say about the use of fossil fuels. The Democratic Party does not understand that coal is an abundant, clean, affordable, reliable domestic energy resource. Those who mine it and their families should be protected from the Democratic Party's radical anti-coal agenda. So what does this, uh, the platform say about carbon dioxide emissions? It says, quote, We oppose any carbon tax. It would increase energy prices across the board, hitting hardest at families who are already struggling to pay their bills in the Democrats' no-growth economy. And then what does the platform say about the environment? It says, The environment is too important to be left to radical environmentalists. Oh, scientists are going to love that. Um, they are using yesterday's tools to control a future they do not comprehend. The environmental establishment has become a self-serving elite stuck in the mindset of the 1970s, subordinating the public's uh, consensus to the goals of the Democratic Party. Their approach is based on shoddy science, scare tactics, and centralized command and control regulations. So they're kind of saying all climate scientists are Democrats? I don't know. We'll see about that. Anyway, over the last eight years, the administration has triggered an avalanche of regulation that wreaks havoc across the economy and yields minimal environmental benefits. We propose to transform the EPA into an independent bipartisan commission similar to the Nuclear Regula Regulatory Commission with structural safeguards against politicized science. We will enforce the original intent of the Clean Water Act, not its distortion by EPA regulations. We will likewise forbid the EPA to regulate carbon dioxide, something never envisioned 
when Congress passed the Clean Air Act. And finally, this is what they have to say about climate change. Information concerning the changing climate, especially projections into the long-range future, must be based on dispassionate analysis of hard data. The United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change is a political mechanism, not an unbiased scientific institution. Close quote. So that's the ununinformed condensed version of the Republican Party platform on the science-related issues that might make climate scientists just a little upset. So in short, Republicans don't want environmental regulations to kill job creation. In fact, Trump tweeted about this during the day of the march, which happens to be Earth Day. Here's what he said in his tweet. I am committed to keeping our air and water clean, but always remember that economic growth enhances environmental protections. Jobs matter. Now, the responses to this tweet were very interesting. Several replies pointed to his tweet back in 2014 where Trump said, The concept of global warming was created by and for the Chinese in order to make U.S. manufacturing non-competitive. Another reply tweet uh, referred to something he said in the same era when he was complaining about the cold and saying, if it's cold, uh, there definitely can't be global warming. Snowing in Texas and Louisiana, record-setting freezing temperatures throughout the country and beyond. Global warming is an expensive hoax. And here's another uh, tweet reply to uh, Trump's original tweet that that happened last Saturday. Um, he said, are you actually tweeting this on Earth Day? I'm expecting you on Memorial Day to say something ridiculous about armed forces. and then Or on Arbor Day, you should cut down a tree just to make a point. So yeah, people are having a lot of fun, and most replies to Trump's tweets that are really popular are the negative ones poking fun at him. Now let's talk about what else might contribute to the rhetoric that inspired the March for Science. So President Trump released a budget proposal last month which proposed cutting funding for the Environmental Protection Agency by 30%. You can see why scientists might not be too happy. So fortunately for scientists within the EPA, it's not quite doomsday, but symbolically... It's a lot more. The budget is considered to be a blueprint because it's just a proposal, not an implementation. But but it's a good look at how the whole White House feels about everything right now. So getting actual budget changes is not a quick process, but it's sounding like many in the Republican-led House and Senate are are down for this proposal, for this blueprint that cuts the EPA by 20, 30%. By the way... Uh, EPA wasn't the only thing cut. This is kind of a side note. So pretty much everything was cut in in Trump's proposal except for defense, homeland security, and veterans affairs. PS. That means he made cuts to the Department of Transportation even though in his campaign he said he would make a big push for infrastructure spending. But that's another story for another podcast. So let's get to the march for science. So Trump believes that his budget cuts make America great. But the marchers say... Science makes America great! Science makes America great! 
So I went around trying to talk to the people with the most interesting signs. So here was one of them. Okay, so it says, keep your hashtag alt facts out of my empirical evidence. Exactly. Hey, so what does that mean? What does that mean? I mean, quit, yeah, quit, tell me the background here. Quit making up stuff and, and putting it into, you know, and silencing the scientists, basically. Okay. And, and so, and tell me your background. I'm a clinical laboratory science and so, major. <laughs> what do you hope to get out of this sign, out of being at this event? I brought all three kids out. They all want to go into science as their careers later on. And so um, we're really upset about the whole Trump administration and, and um, you know, silen silencing the EPA, and unfunding the NIH, all that kind of stuff. Climate and so, change is a hoax. <laughs> yeah, climate change is real. <laughs> no kidding. Um, and so we just had to come out and put our voices out there for everybody. Hey, cool. Uh, what, what else do we got here? We have, uh, tell me what your sign is. It is the Lorax holding a axe with a blonde toupee on it. So, uh, uh, <laughs> so uh, it's uh, speaking for the trees, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, I get it. Okay, cool. Um, tell me what your sign is. Trump's hands are small. That It's science. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's really deep. Uh, this is our future paleontologist here. Oh, that's what you want to do? Yeah. Okay, read, read the sign for me. The sign is of a accurate Tyrannosaurus cartoon saying, my, arm, my hands are bigger than Trump's. With a Carnotaurus as well saying mine are too, which is oh. funny because its hands are basically stubs. <laughs> wow. Hey, hey, thanks, guys. Um, anyway, this is super fun. I'm an engineer, so I appreciate it. You know, he wants this. to be a prosthetic engineer. Hey, hey. biomedical engineer. Future, yeah. future engineer here. I'm, I'm, I'm a mechanical engineer at the Air Force Base. So, awesome. yeah, prosthetics. That's so cool. In fact, I should get into that. So, future prosthetics engineer. Go figure. All these kids were obsessed with limbs. Well, with hands and the whole Trump having small hands joke. <laughs> and you may have noticed that my laughs in that recording, to some extent, were were kind of an kind of awkward laughs because this joke joke kind of goes back to the primary election when uh, Marco Rubio uh, was making fun of Trump for having small hands. But this gained attention because there was an added innuendo to it and the liberal media was really critical of how kids shouldn't have listened to these innuendos on TV. Well, this mom didn't really feel like that needed much censorship and uh yeah the kids just ate it up maybe they didn't really know what their sign was talking about okay let's go to the next interesting demonstration i met a group of science students who made giant resistors so if you know what resistors those are the, the uh, one of the electronic components that are in electronics so i said oh i get it okay resistors resistance you guys are resistance yeah okay um, you, you get it, right? So science nerdiness at its greatest. So the designer of these giant resistors was a student, and he told me that he felt that the issues we have with science and politics are not just on one side, but on both sides of the political spectrum. Whether it's um, believing that vaccines cause autism on, on one side of the political spectrum or... or um, believing that climate change isn't real on the other side. It's just facts are important in the end, and it's not, it doesn't matter what your political belief is. The, 
the facts facts are real I actually was thinking about that how uh, um, d does the autism thing tend to be a left-leaning thing? The autism the, the anti-vaccine and vaccine tends to, be, tends to be more of a left thing. Yes. So then we could safely say that not believing in science is not necessarily a Republican thing, even though it, no. it, 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 we, both sides are struggling with this. Yep. Next, I came to a guy holding a sign that had a graph on it. It was climate change in a nutshell. Okay, so we got the graph of the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, parts per million. That's yeah. the y-axis here. Got the year here, and this is how the carbon, we, because we burn up fossil fuels, we've been putting carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, and that's what's causing our plant to heat up because it right. basically acts like a blanket, that carbon dioxide does. And, and you could fit all of this on one sign. It's that simple. Is that what you're trying to say here? That's right. All this data that we've been collecting for years, you can fit on this sign and it tells us a story, and that story is that we need to take action now. Hey, that's cool. Uh, what, so who's we? What, what's your crew? Uh, I actually work with a group called Citizens Climate Lobby, and I'm actually a professor up at the U. I'm an astronomer. Yeah, what do you hope to be the effect of uh, you being here? I, I mean, I think for one thing, it, it gives us a voice to let everyone know that you know this is that we're part of the community here and that you know it's an important thing to be paying attention to where you know people know this is the stuff that people you know scientists are the people that we rely on to predict our weather yeah. and to send satellites up in the space so we can have fancy GPSs on our phone and all that right. stuff and there are also the people who are telling us that our climate's changing and we shouldn't be ignoring that well it's funny that the people who are saying that they don't believe in climate change have a smartphone <laughs> you know yeah I mean there's lots of that we all are have our better lives than we would because of lots of things that we that have happened from science hey and thanks for being so, part of that team all right cool. thank you so I continued to hunt down all the scientists I could find this next lady was a toxicologist okay so uh, tell me what's on your sign join the reality party today okay yeah. tell me uh, about that first well science is about reality and not willful ignorance and um, you know making things because they fulfill some political objective. Science is about observable reality. I, you know, and people are like, you know, are you Democrat, Republican? And I think I would be yeah, in the reality I'm party, the reality you know? Party. I was like, yeah, exactly. Uh, do you, it's do not you red or blue, it's just real. Hey, okay, so, let's look at the other side of the sign. Okay. okay, so let's, let's read it. I'm an environmental toxicologist. Ask me about the Great Salt Lake. Okay. okay. So, Tell me about the Great Salt Lake. Okay, so the Great Salt Lake is this amazing place that is a stopover habitat for millions and millions and millions of birds, whole like double number percentages of populations of birds. And apparently these birds are being poisoned by a series of unfortunate events that are caused by humans. So we use coal power, which puts mercury in the air, it gets into the Great Salt Lake, and then into the algae, and eventually down the line, it gets into the ducks in the Great Salt Lake. Oh, and if you eat oh. some of the ducks from the Great Salt Lake, it's too much mercury for people to eat. So we Okay, well, I won't eat the ducks. Some people do, you but know? But they do fly yeah. other places. So. And they do, and actually that's an unanswered question, is if they take the mercury and deposit it in their eggs to where their chicks. And, uh, but we can't get funding to study that, so. Okay. <laughs> uh, is that why you're here? I mean, what, I'm why are you... I'm here because I support science, because I'm a scientist. I think that the globe is a really cool place. We're lucky to live on it. And the more we know about it, the cooler it is. What do you for hope to starters? Yeah. And what, well, what do you hope to that that's the end result? Your the best case si situation for for this March. Um, I think that just to raise awareness, to kind of, I think anytime you get people together, one of the things that you see is we're 
like connecting and, and getting to know each other and realizing we're not alone. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. You know, that's, that's crucial because that's how we work together to solve problems. I'm an engineer, so it's cool to see a yeah. lot of scientists. Yeah, so. exactly. And then finally, I found two female scientists who were doing research in melting ice in the Arctic and the future of feeding the world. Uh, you're wearing a lab coat. You have a sign. Are you a scientist yourself? Yes, both of us are. We're okay. faculty at Weber State. Oh, really? Uh, so what, what kind of scientist? Um, I'm a geomicrobiologist. I'm a soil microbial ecologist. Oh, that's cool. It sounds hard to say. Microbial... Microbial ecologist. Micro... Okay, I can say that. <laughs> I'm an engineer. I should be able to say things like that. Um, okay, so uh, what, what are you... Let's read your sign. If I was getting paid to protest, I'd spend it on lab supplies. <laughs> I got $6. Oh, hey, that's great. <laughs> Taking donations. So, um... And also we have a paper on here that says, ask me what walrus tastes like. What do walrus, walruses, walri, no, walruses <laughs> taste like? So they taste like surf and turf. They have a nice steaky texture and they have a little bit of a seafood flavor because of all the fish they eat. Uh, They're quite delicious. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> what's I got to do with science? <laughs> so I was in the Arctic, I ate walrus because I was doing Arctic research. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Okay, so, okay, tell me about your background why you're here. Um, so, I, uh, I'm a geomicrobiologist. I study the ways that microbes influence the chemistry of the planet. And some of the research I've done was in the Arctic looking at microbes and sea ice and the way that microbes are potentially influencing the way that sea ice melts. Okay. So, I spent a summer in the Arctic. That's where I ate walrus. Um, awesome. Also, tried whale, which I wouldn't actually recommend. Um, uh, <laughs> and... Um, did some really interesting research seeing the way that the Arctic is melting out and the way it's influencing microbial communities there. As, as from climate change? Yeah, from climate change. So we're seeing record low levels of Arctic and Antarctic now sea ice. We're losing sea ice at a kind of disturbing rate. Really? And um, it's, we're seeing warming in the Arctic, dramatic warming in the Arctic. And it's almost like, can you kind of observe it even without complicated scientific instruments? Or is it... Uh, or how, yeah, how do so you observe it? I don't know. We, we've used satellites for um, quite a few decades now to monitor how much sea ice is in the Arctic, and we're seeing those levels go down each year. So okay. it goes up and down a little bit, but the overall trend is quite negative. Um, what do you hope to come out of this, uh, this march and why are you here? Yeah, so. I think a lot of us are here hoping to raise awareness about the fact that science feels under attack. And people, we've entered what some people call a post-factual era where people no longer believe that you can, you can find things out, that you can actually trust empirical science where you do an experiment and the results are real. Yeah. Um, and that's really been frustrating. And also the lack of confidence in scientists in general that we are, we're here to help. We're trying to, we're trying to, bring, to bring forth facts and evidence and things that will help us understand how our world is working and hopefully help save ourselves. Um, cool. I, I love this because there's so many scientists here, you know, <laughs> uh, and I'm always hunting them down, you know. She the... does really awesome work. Yeah, tell me a little bit. Why not? Um, so I study sustainable agriculture and how we can manipulate soil microbial communities really to uh, increase the drought tolerance of plants in urban ag. So I'm, do, I'm focusing right now on green roofs, so I work with a civil engineer and kind of looking at how we can create soils that are 
less have less bulk density so that they can be on greater roofs or greater area I guess um, but you increase the soil microbial community so you can increase nutrient cycling and the water or drought tolerance of plants that are growing growing on roofs so uh, what do you uh, so what do you want what's the message you want to tell the world as a scientist I mean or what do you want people to know as you being here so I'm here because they're, right now we're looking to cut the USDA, the EPA, right, funding to those, and those are huge agencies that support jobs for, or faculty positions like mine that are working to try and figure out how are we going to feed 9 billion people in 2050. How are we going to feed 9 billion people by the year 2050? I don't know. But some scientists do. So I'd like to give a thank you to the scientists who made your cell phone, be able to play this podcast, and a huge thanks to the scientists that made their voices heard at the March for Science. And thank you for listening. If you are not subscribed to our podcast on your smartphone app, do it now. Our theme music is provided by Dee Dee Dumbo. I'm Sean Seavey, and you've been listening to Un Uninformed. Thanks, everybody.